Good morning, Robert. Uh, when you started with Equus, you had a little bit different approach to what we were doing. Uh, you seem to look at Equus differently than a lot of new people did. One of the phases a lot of people go through is the wishing and hoping phase. Did you ever experience the stage, what we call wishing and hoping, what we were telling you is true? Yeah, good question, Dick. So I think in the beginning I, I experienced that, um, uh, you know, hopeful skepticism. You know, I, I was hoping everything was true, but then I did attend one of the meetings in Columbus, where it was over 50 people, and uh, they asked everybody who was, who was writing more than 5,000 in a month to, to go in front of everybody and just tell their story. And next thing you know, there's like 25 people lined up. I'm like, wow, yeah, there are 25 people. Um, some of them look questionable, if you know what I mean, right? And I was thinking, okay, if these guys can do it, I can definitely do it, you know? And... Um, it was just too many people doing it for me to to continue questioning it too much, you know. And I was at that point where, you know, I just, you know, was looking for the opportunity. I needed to make money very fast. So there was not much time for really thinking and challenging. I see a lot of people are doing it. They're making money. I think I can do better than them. Let me go and do it. And I just did it. And I think, you know, after that, you know, first week when I became Ignite and I didn't even know what I was doing, I'm like, okay, um, if I can do, I did, what was it, 7,500 or something, Dick, like that, five apps in a week? And that was in the first week. And, and then I think that, that even raised that level of belief. Okay, I know I can do this. And it's been, uh, it's been that level of confidence since. So um, that's, but in the beginning, yeah, obviously it's a new thing. You're a little skeptical. But you just have to trust the system, you know, trust the people who are doing it, especially when you attend one of these bigger meetings, like we have ETCs all over the country now. I would encourage everybody to go there, see the people, and your level of belief will be raised. You know, it's interesting you say that because we preach all the time, or at least part of my mantra is go to these meetings because it validates everything we're telling you, and that's exactly what you've said here today, seeing 50 people and half of them got up and did 5,000 or more, it totally validated. Now, I do remember that first week, your goal was $10,000. And <laughs> I remember thinking, ooh, I just hope he doesn't set the goal so high. If he doesn't make it, he'll be disappointed. You were a little disappointed with only 7,500. Uh, how did that impact you? You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm one of those guys that, that uh, sets high goals, and I probably under-deliver uh, short-term, but I over-deliver long-term, and that's how my whole career has been built. So I want to push myself a little bit harder. And, uh, you know, when I used to play basketball, Dick, and I was on the free throw line, I thought every free throw was going to go in when I stepped on that line. And guess what? They didn't. Okay, I was only 70% shooter, but when I stepped in, I was thinking that's what next one is going in, and that's how I approach everything here. And maybe my goal was a little bit too high, but still, you know, 7,500 in the first week, nothing to sneeze at. So that's how I looked at it. I can only get better from this point, and I try to get a little bit better every day. 
Well, one of the things I see coming out of this is your mindset has played a huge role in this because when you went out there, a lot of people would think I did $7,500 the first week. Uh, was I lucky or is this real? But your mindset was I can only get better. So I think that's something yep. people on the call here today can take away from this is whatever I'm doing to, to begin with, if I perfect my skill, it's going to get better. Yes. That's huge. Yes. And um, well, let me ask you this. I know you know not many people uh, who've had a six-figure in, six-figure income have left that to work straight commission and mm -hmm. change careers at the same time. I know you were downsized at your old job, but 30 days after you started with us, you were offered a, si a similar job in your old industry, uh, multiple six figures, benefits, and everything. Why did you turn it down? Because I wanted to own my own destiny. And, you know, in the corporate world, higher you go up the food chain, more toxic and more political it gets. And at that point, you know, when you're sitting on that, uh, you know, executive management team, it's not about what you've done and what you're doing, what value you're adding. It's all about stories. It's all about, you know, uh, uh, perceptions, and it's all about packaging everything in a way that, that ma makes you look good, you know. And I just didn't like that, you know. I didn't like that, you know, they're coming to me and they say, hey, Robert, go and give people three to one to 3% raises. Give 3% to your best guys and 1% to slackers. And I was always that guy questioning that. I'm like, why don't I just give 10% to the best guys and I don't give anything to the slackers? And they're telling me that's wrong. I'm like, well, I grew up in, in communism when everybody was treated the same, you know. And not, you know, everybody's created equal. They deserve equal opportunities, but they don't earn equal opportunities. You know, if somebody's willing to work harder, if somebody is, is willing to get better every day, they should probably deserve better outcomes. So my view of the corporate world higher as a one up the ladder is, was like that, you know. And, you know, then they can pay, pay you a lot of money, but they have those handcuffs on you, and you come home every day, and you don't really feel good about what you're doing, and you disagree with the decisions they're making all the time, and, you know, you kind of become negative, you know. And then you don't look going to work every day, you know, and, you know, if somebody texts you at 10 o'clock, they expect you to respond at by 10.15, or they're going to give you a look the next day, and I don't want that anymore, so for me, it was not really, money is going to be there in whatever you do, if you're good, you put your time at it, you will make money, but there are more things in life than just money, you know, there is a freedom, there is a time with the family, uh, there's a quality of life, fulfillment, all of that other stuff. So money's good, benefits are good, but that's not the only thing in life. And that was my view. And at that point, you know, I was 41 years old. I was, I was full of energy. And I, I had enough confidence that I can just go and, and learn something new. And I really felt strong that life insurance industry is not going anywhere. It's going to be there for a very long time. And why not start now? You know, and, and, and see what happens. So that was just my mindset. I d just didn't want to go and work for somebody else. I wanted to spend 
more time with, with my kids and control my destiny much more than somebody else controlling it for me. Let me ask you this, because I've heard parts of this before in conversations we've had about the 1% and the 3%, and you, wanted, you thought it made sense to give the good ones 10%. Did you recognize early on how the system at Equus would afford you that opportunity to do that, or was that something that came in time as you were here that just kind of developed or blossomed and you said, oh, this really fits in with what I'm doing? Or did you see that right off the get-go? I saw that right off the get-go. You know, one of the documents that was shared with me in the beginning was the promotional guidelines, and everything is just black and white. If you do this, you get that. You know, there's no political games. There's no annual review process that can be as crazy as anything out there in the corporate world. It's very black and white, and you just need to establish the plan to go to the next next level, and, and then you're good. So uh, I established that plan from, from day one once I saw the promotional guideline. And one of the things that I think we both agree on is you met each of those goals. There was never any quibbling or question. It is he qualified next. Uh, what yep. role did that play for you? So it's just execution. You know, everybody can have a great plan, but if you can't execute it, then it's just a dream. And, uh, you know, I pride myself. I want to execute the plans. You know, I, I might not execute them as quickly as I initially wanted, but they're going to get executed, you know. And it, it, it's always important to have a certain target that you need to shoot for, and, and getting the next promotion is, is something that I would, encourage everybody to, to come up with a game plan on. Even, even if you're an ER1 and you're trying to get an ER2, get together with your upline, you know, get together with you and come up with a game plan to get there. And don't, they, don't make that game plan to be like two years. Like that needs to happen in the next two months. So it needs to be key actions, key levers that you need to pull to go and get it. And once you get it, it's really... The next conversation goes in, what did you learn from that? How can you get a little bit better? What's the next target? And you just start stepping in into that next level every two, three, four months. You know, as you talk, I see as an industry and, and as a company, that's probably one of the areas we, we really need to promote and do. So I, I'm very thankful for this interview this morning just on that alone. Every time I talk to somebody or hear someone I always learn, which is part of the reason we go to so many meetings, because I never walk away without learning something that is going to help me build my business, and hopefully this interview is going to help people build their business. My last question for you is this. Uh, Most people work on promotions by building a team, which means they're always going to be at a 10 to a 15% spread, at least for the first year or two. You didn't do that. Tell us about that. I'm a numbers guy, and I looked at the numbers, and, you know, I knew building is going to be something that's going to take a lot of time, okay? And if you're going to bring somebody on, you're going to invest the time. It's going to take a lot of time. So uh, whether you're in the beginning or at the end, you know, at the highest level, it's still going to take the same amount of time, okay? So mathematically, Looking at the numbers, it made much more sense to really and uh, you know optimize that time that you're going to spend 
to bring somebody on board. So your time is valuable. So if you only have 5% spread and you start spending half of your time on building, that's probably a mistake. You know, in the beginning, you need to perfect your skill. You're not very good. You need to get better. And the only conviction that's going to come is going to come from you producing. And once you start producing, once you start putting some numbers on the board, you're also interviewing and recruiting and presenting the whole opportunity is going to get better. And uh, it just, then it becomes easier. So my thinking was I was looking at, you know, 110 minus 70 is equal 40%. And 40% is bigger than 75 minus 70, which is equal 5%. And, you know, numbers are what the numbers are. And I think it's easier to get to 110% through personal production than it is to building a whole team. And, uh, and that was just my mindset. And I, I know I can control myself uh, much better than I can control anybody else. And to be honest with you, I cannot control anybody. And I don't want to control anybody, okay? It's, it's opportunity for people to really go in and to create their own destiny. And I'm going to enable them. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to do everything in my power so they can be successful, but I cannot control them. Only they can do that. But I can control me. And if I know what the targets are for me to get to 110, I will go and get that done. And once you get that done, you end up having a 40% spread for bringing somebody new on board. And the math is the math, you know. And on that $1,000 APV in the mortgage protection, uh, the agent uh, will clear around 500 bucks, but at a 40% spread, you're clearing around 350 bucks. Not bad, okay? So, and it becomes much more scalable and much more profitable for you to do that when you get to the higher contract level. So that was just my thinking around it, and, and that's why I just went for it. And I think in, in a heart, I'm, I'm a contrarian myself, you know, that's why, you know, I left home when I was 18. Nobody wanted to take the risk. I just saw much more opportunity in the United States than in Yugoslavia. And I'm just looking and, uh, you know, people starting to build too early and putting so much effort on building instead of perfecting that skill. I just thought that was a strategic mistake. And uh, if you, like I like to tell my guys, you are your biggest override, so go make it as big as you can. And once you have money in the bank, you don't have to worry about money, everything gets better. Your life gets better, family is better, and uh, your recruiting is going to get better also. So everything flows. But you, you can only control yourself and focus on that. You know, it's interesting when you made that comment, you are your biggest override. That is so true. And I see people having the opportunity to do the same thing you did, um, I wonder why people are not ca uh, capitalizing on that. Um, any thoughts on that? Whew, that's, a, that's a tough one. You know, um, people need to have, you know, especially in the mortgage protection, you need to have the leads. You need to have that consistent capital investment of leads coming in because you cannot do the mortgage protection business without leads. You can only work the world market up to a certain point and then it stops. So I think it, it's hard to just go and you start off and you say, you know, I'm just going to go 
and invest, you know, $500,000, $600,000 a week on leads when your skill level is not up to the point. So I would just encourage people, go, you know, go with the cheaper leads, go with businesses, improve your phone uh, level, uh, build up your cash. But in the long run, you might have to spend, you know, $750 a week on leads, you know. All the big producers at Equus, everybody on that leaderboard writing more than 5,000 probably has a consistent flow of A leads coming into their backyard. So that, that's a necessary part of the business. So you just have to create a plan. You've got to create a cash flow so you can go and reinvest that into the leads. And that's, that's what takes you to another level. But you just, have, you just got to have a game plan. You cannot just freestyle it and wake up one day and saying, I want to do this, I don't, I don't want to do this. There needs to be a plan in place for you to execute. You know, that, that comment there uh, that you made about needing the leads because your warm market will only take you so far, that's probably why most people fail in financial services because, one, they're either not willing to invest in the leads or worse yet, no, I think that's worse yet, but something equally bad is they're in a situation where leads are not available. We interviewed two people yesterday from uh, Primerica, and they've got a lot of good things, but they, they rely totally on warm market sales, and as a result, the majority of their people do not make it, you know, because they can't build a business. They can earn an income, but they cannot build a business without leads. Right. And that's one of the things I think people fail to realize. This is a business opportunity that looks like a job. And if we can approach it that way, you know, you would never open up a grocery store and have two gallons of milk in there and when they're sold say, well, we got more coming on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Yep. you got to have the inventory there. So, uh, Robert, I want to thank you this morning for taking your time. Uh, this is – this is an area that we, we, you're right. When we started the call, we've covered a lot of territory this morning, but I feel like this really distills down the essence of who Equus is, what they are, why the system is so important, and what the opportunity is. If people will take off their blinders and look at this from the business opportunity side and say, how can I make this work for me? And for a lot of people, working for me is going out and earning five or ten thousand uh, dollars a week. For a lot of people, it's earning fifteen hundred a week and leave me alone, and that's okay. Others say, you know, I want to go out here and set myself on fire, let people come watch me burn, and just selling will attract people to the business opportunity. And, yes. you know, it's pretty easy to become SM in this business and start uh, developing an override and get a promotion just by becoming excited and doing a good job. Any comments you'd like to make in closing? Buy some leads, set up appointments, run appointments, make money, save money, recruit. Well, it doesn't get any simpler than that, and we appreciate I hope everybody takes to heart what Robert has talked about this morning, and uh, we want to thank you uh, for taking your time today, Robert. Thank you very much.